another Tuesday morning time once again for the Integrateness podcast. I keep doing these like this is a radio show that you're listening to every Tuesday morning, but you're probably not. You're probably listening to it whenever you want because it's a podcast. I'm Jason along with Jolene, and we're here to help unlock your inner greatness, right? Yeah. Thanks for putting us in your ear. Thanks for letting us join your day wherever you are. We have had great feedback from all of you, and we hope that we're hitting all the topics that you're interested in, and we're hitting a juicy one today. We into- are. It's it's something that I think everyone yearns for, but people are generally pretty shitty at, and ah. that's intimacy and how to be properly intimate, Yeah, for lack so- of a better word. Yeah, intimacy into me, I see. You're and never- that's not what people want <laughs> when they're talking intimacy at all. They're not willing to see that other person or be seen. It, it's a two-way street, really. They're, they're just thinking about the, the hot nookie, really, more than anything else. They talk intimacy and romance. Yeah, and into physical intimacy is one piece of it. And so much of the satisfaction of physical intimacy and the ability to have, like, a strong physical intimacy is by cultivating the rest of them. Okay. So uh, into me, I see, you know, we can only gain depth with others as deep as we can with ourselves. And that's really what this podcast is getting you to do is in bite-sized pieces, we're, we're giving you all these little puzzle pieces to put together so that you have a better sense of connection with yourself, understanding with yourself, Um, truer appreciation and expression of yourself so that you are bringing a wholer version of you to all of the relationships in your life, rather than bringing this empty vessel asking for them to fill you up. And intimacy is so based around some of that stuff in terms of we are wanting so much from other people, but when we aren't able to cultivate that within ourselves, there's really no space for them to be able to offer that or us to receive that either. And there's a lot of things that impact our ability to gain intimacy in relationships, both as a result of the other people in them, but also as a result of our own blocks. Okay. So the four areas of intimacy um that we can cultivate you've got like physical intimacy emotional intimacy mental intimacy spiritual intimacy okay when we talk about intimacy we're often just talking about the hot heavy sex but as many people notice and i think as we get older we recognize how much the other ones really need to be in place in order for us to be physically satisfied. You will hear things like I'm a demisexual. I'm attracted to somebody's mind. You know, I have to be attracted to their mind and and like have an emotional connection before I can have a physical connection. And I think that's because, you know, we're really talking about safety. We're talking about emotional intimacy and the safety cultivated. I'm not talking about just physical safety. Am I going to get abused, raped, this kind of thing. It's about how I can show up as myself. And do I feel safe to be this expression of myself to express my needs, my desires. And through this podcast, we're hopefully equipping you guys to have a little bit more of a voice and sense of vulnerability around really showing up as your true self um, so that that can be received by others, right? And when we have fears of rejection and abandonment and, you know, trying to please other people or be perceived a certain way, all those things block our ability to create deep intimacy with others. Yes, no, and and I think that's why, um, I think 
not in every situation, but that's why you see like marriages. And my wife and I just celebrated recently our 14th anniversary, which in our modern world is probably like a lifetime for most people because not a lot of marriages seem to last past a couple of year mark. Look um, at the stages your marriage has gone through too. Oh yeah, huge number of stages and trials and tribulations. And we're very much, when we when we talk about it with other people, um it's we don't sugarcoat anything like yeah we've had some some shitty patches and we've had some great patches and as a whole there's been times where we've been close there's been times when we haven't been close but we've been willing to ride those stages out which you have to do and you got to be with someone where you feel you can and i think a lot of people get hung up on the initial hot and heavy stage and they just want that passion all the time and it, it it changes the longer you know someone you rely more on i think the emotional and the spiritual to sustain a relationship. But people don't want to go that far. I think partly because like what you're saying, Jolene, people don't know themselves enough. And you can't really be happy with anyone unless you're happy with yourself first. And I think that's a big, big part of it. Yeah. When we look at the younger versions of ourselves that are coming into relationship with others, they're usually the highly codependent ones that have not necessarily addressed and healed some of those things. It's just how we're built, right? We're entirely dependent on our parents to survive an adult figure to keep us alive. And then we move into this stage of like, how do we um, step away from being entirely dependent on others to regulate our needs and how much do we resource ourselves and that's an active process and we all do it in really sloppy ways and really poor ways until we really start tending to that in our more mature adult life essentially and through that yeah when you talk about that hot heavy passion right away that's actually probably more of um, an attachment response we'll talk about attachment in in an episode um, in itself but essentially when we have that crazy ignited spark that we're seeing as sexual chemistry that the movies have made us perceive as sexual chemistry that's actually our nervous system going off big time saying something doesn't feel right here something doesn't feel safe and maybe it's with someone who's like emotionally unavailable or somebody that has this mysterious side or somebody that makes us feel insecure in the connection in terms of like where do I stand and do I have to like pine for their attention and chase them that is not sexual chemistry that's our nervous system saying this person isn't safe when somebody is safe we're calm we're able to keep our frontal lobe attached and think reasonably and formulate <laughs> rational responses but that's boring that's not exciting not sexually attracted to this person right we have really messed up ways of how we're interpreting those signals our body's giving off right so if we're building on that first one, that usually means we're lacking safety in all the other areas. So once the physical fizzles out, we're really looking at this big, empty, you know, we've got this massive house built on like sand foundation, right? That's why I've really come to appreciate the slow burn, the friendship, the, the friendship fire kind of love where you cultivate attraction through how somebody feels, how somebody um, shows up consistently, how somebody chooses you on a daily basis, how you are with them, how you feel like you're a better person when you are around them, how you both encourage each other's growth, but also encourage each other's independence and are able to rely on each other without showing up and saying, I need you to complete me. Right. Mm -hmm. When we're able to show up responsibly like that, like I actually think it's really irresponsible to show up being like, I don't know what makes me happy. You need to make me happy. <laughs> Well, right. how can you put that pressure on someone? Because eventually yeah. that person's just going to go, well, fuck you then. Goodbye. <laughs> like, you know, I'm out. <laughs> how many people do? And then how many people leave those relationships later on when they cultivate their own sense of self-worth, they start doing their own self-growth and they're like, this relationship is empty, right? Mm -hmm. I can 
from a very codependent relationship before. And as you start to heal those patterns, you recognize, whoa, wait a sec. There's a lot of things that start to happen once you do a lot of your own work, right? Um, but recognizing, okay, where mentally do I have intimacy with this person emotionally, spiritually, physically, right? Like what do those all look like? And, and, you know, we're not going to nail all four of them unless we're actively doing that kind of from the beginning, or we're intentionally doing it. So if you're looking at your relationships right now, and again, these are friendships, these are romantic relationships. They're all over the place. We create intimate relationships everywhere. You guys, you listeners have created intimate relationships with us based on what we've shared commonalities of things that you identify with how seen and validated and heard we're making you feel right? There's intimacy built just through this podcast with you guys. So really recognize that piece as well, right? So with that, if you're looking at like, say your, your close partnerships or relationships at this point, and you're like, Ooh, really lacking in those areas. It's just because you haven't actively paid attention to them. Once you start paying attention to them, then you can start building that and saying, yeah, you know what, the more emotionally safe I felt and the more mentally stimulated I felt by having these really good, um, curious conversations with my partner, it actually made me like super attracted to them. And I actually felt more seen or heard in the bedroom, or I was more likely to speak up because they were more responsive to what I was saying. Now, things like that, we become more satisfied in different areas of our lives too. Oh, big time. And I think I'm glad you touched on having, you need to have all those components, right? Cause I think, and I think Hollywood and the Harlequin romances, uh, have, not that I've read any, but you know, that they, they've primed us to think it's just the one thing that you need. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's, it's brainwashed generations of people into thinking that that's what intimacy is and that's all it is. And as soon as that sparks gone, you might as well just quit and walk away instead of realizing you've got to continuously put the work in if you want to have, and, and you're right. It's even with friendships. How many friends have you had that you've known since kindergarten that are still your friends? Right. I could, I've have one or two that I've known for three. My best friendships are the, with the people I've known for more than three decades. Yeah. Really? And we're still friends. Yeah. And those are ones that have evolved with time and stuff, but then you can also have really great friendships with the people who come into your life for like a reason and a season, right? Because yeah. they're kind of aligned with where you're at and you can have great depth with people for small periods of time, short periods of time too. Right. Um, Big time. And those are, yeah. and those are good. So like you kind of meet, that's where you have to be a bit fatalistic too. everyone you meet, you meet for a reason or in a purpose and they, they will stick around as long as that reason and purpose remains. And kind of when you're done, then they move on. And I've had many friendships like that. I've had my most recent friendship started about eight years ago and we're still friends kind of thing and still see each other on a regular basis and talk and all this kind of stuff, which is interesting. It's rare, mm -hmm. but it, it has I, happened. And I have a lot of those experiences where people come into my life for these reasons and seasons kind of thing. Right. And, and it's a two way, it's a reciprocal kind of teaching um, and, and experience that occurs that way too. Right. As we're all kind of on our journeys, but you know, when we're thinking about uh, intimacy and we're thinking about like, really, it's about personal connection and close with closeness with others. That's really what intimacy is. And, you know, COVID really uh, 
really highlighted this in terms of like physical proximity. Just because people aren't physically with us does not mean that we can't have depth and connection with them. But because we are such a tangible, hands-on, gimme, gimme, gimme society, it really felt that way. So it forced people to create intimacy in different ways. It forced people to learn how to connect long distance. You know, one of my favorite things to give partners is like play the 21 questions games, right? If you're feeling disconnected from your loved one, because you're just like playing the role that you're playing through the day and living these parallel lives, then you can't cultivate time for these conversations, then flip a text message halfway through the day and be, you know, ask them a question, a random question about themselves that you don't know the answer to, or maybe you knew the answer 15 years ago, and it could have changed by now. And get the updated software version of them, just like when you update your iPhone, like what's your answer today? What would you do if you won a million dollars? How would you spend it? And then you're like, whoa, that's totally not what I would have spent it on. Here we are married, living this life vision together. And both of us have very different ideas. Um, I'm super curious. Let's talk about that. You know, what is it that you're desiring? If that's what you would do, what are you desiring in the next 10 years of our life? Where can we shift course to help facilitate that? Or, you know, here's my desire and my views. Where do we align or not align on that anymore? We don't make space for these conversations anymore, right? And people then start to grow apart and just not recognize, they don't see the other person in that, right? And try and understand it. They view it as rejection or they view it as non-compatibility or, or any of those types of things, right? So, you know, there's different ways that you can facilitate intimacy and um, kind of closeness that way. And I do like that COVID kind of brought people into this creative ways to do that, right? Um, you know, having to have video dates and things like that. And how do we stay connected in ways? You know, I had one um, couple when they were out of town or whatever, they went through like old photos and were sending each other old photo memories of like things they had done, right? And just little things like that to cultivate some of that reminder of like, yeah, this is the closeness I feel. These are the things I appreciate about you things like that, right? Learning people's love languages is a really great way to speak the way they need and to offer them, you know, what they need. So if, if like Jason, do you know what your love languages are? No, I probably wouldn't actually off the top of my, off the top of my head. Yeah. It might change, right? Like I think probably before I was socialized to think that like gift giving was a love language. My mom was also a gift giver. She was the one that would put like this, the, you know, Valentine's things in your lunch or she would always have something for us. Um, so I think that's why also gift giving became special to me because it was a familiar thing I received. So I think maybe gift giving and like maybe physical touch or something maybe would have been mine, but mine has evolved as I've become like a single parent, a busy working woman. I am like acts of service. Like if you put, I've referenced this in the last episode, I think if you put windshield wiper fluid in my vehicle, cause I have not had a chance, like that is gold to me. Like the acts of service become huge for me. And I don't think I would have appreciated that in my younger years. So for me, my, um, like my love language have evolved with like how I've evolved and how life is right now. So that would be a way that you could like, I would feel seen or heard or somebody like help me with a task and things like that. Right. So as somebody with you, like in, in work or friendships or, you know, like a parent doing that, right? Like my mom is very much an acts of service person too. So she speaks that love language to me. Right. Um, so those are ways I would feel seen and intimacy is really about being seen and how understood I feel and how heard I feel. And so many of us have wounds from childhood around not being seen, not being heard. And then if you're in relationship where, um, the other person is not tending to, you know, like, paying attention like and 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 noticing you know what is your mood like today or I knew this happened at work and I'm going to do a little check-in with you all those things can either sacrifice intimacy and really shut somebody down 
or they can build intimacy. Does that make sense, Jason? It, it totally does. And I think that's, um, as you are longer, say, especially like something like a, a romantic relationship or a marriage, the longer you're in one of those, the more important those components are. It's the little things that have way more meaning than than the big things. It's even someone realizing you've had a bad day and maybe you just need space. Yeah. And that that's With, okay. You without, know what I mean? Without perceiving that as rejection and abandonment. And that's where the other person really needs to understand when I ask for space especially those with avoidant attachment styles, they might need that space, right? Um, when I need space or introvert, we'll talk about that stuff later. But um, when I need space, this isn't because you've done something wrong, because that triggers in other people, right? This is because I just need to have that time for myself, reset, I come back a better person for you. And I need that respected, right? So then the other person really understanding or even being able to anticipate when you might need space and offering that up to you so you don't always have to ask for it. Those are really beautiful ways that we can almost proactively tend to, to our partner's needs. And that would have profound effects on you probably if you didn't have to ask for it and it was, if it was offered before you even realized you knew it, wouldn't that be a beautiful way to receive that? Oh, for sure. That's like what it's so important, right? It's it's more important than like a dinner date or, you know, it's just, yeah, it just, it means so much, especially someone like myself who is, is an introvert, you know, and a bit of a, and a loner because I am yeah. both those things. And if you're in a marriage and you're an introvert and a loner, for, if you got the wrong person <laughs> that you're partnered with, it's not going to work because they're going to be like, well, why are you never around? Or why do you need to go to, away for a week? Or, you know what I mean? What's going on? Like, it's, it's important to find the, the person you're with to realize that and you need to know your partner well enough to realize their wants and needs too, because that becomes yeah, and it's, important. All, it's also important for you to communicate that. So this is where yeah. like when, we, when we're telling our listeners here to like show up as your authentic self and to speak your truth and things like that. It's like, if you know that about yourself then be transparent to your partner, so they don't need to misinterpret or recognize, like, especially if your partner might have a bit more of an anxious or anxious attachment style, or they might, you know, feel abandoned or rejected um, or left out in those times to really front load that and, and, and recognize, I know that when I take time for myself, it might make you feel sad. It might make you feel not wanted. This is why, you know, on this night, you and I are going to do this, but on this night, I need to take this time. And this is, um, this is why, or this is what that will look like. Is, is there anything you need to feel more comfortable about that? And she might say, no, just you explaining that to me is great. Like, that's really all I needed to know. Um, or yeah, you know what I do just let's make sure that that date night does happen. Cause I, I will need that after you've been away for a while or something. Right. But exactly. both people being able to like, being able to just honestly verbalize that without fear of projection, without fear of getting blamed, without fear of being shamed for feeling that way. And I think all too often in our relationships, people get defensive about their needs because they don't feel understood. And then when the other person just expresses how they feel about it, they project and they blame them. And then that person shuts down and it is such a continual pattern in many unhealthy relationships. And then nobody starts speaking up about their needs. And then both people sit there with resentments. There's zero intimacy, zero safety in the relationship. And this filters into every discussion they try and have into every physical space. They try and fill everything. Big time, big time. And I think that then you lose the trust, which is very almost one of the most important components. Yeah. And, and trust 
big time, right? Like I remember seeing this thing and it was like, if you, um, you know, if you don't have respect and you need this and if you don't have that, and it was like, if you don't have trust, you don't have anything. Like you don't have anything. You really don't. And we can lose trust on a daily basis. There is a lot of things that we do that sacrifice trust in, 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 in many ways. It's about the repair and it's about like, yeah, we're all going to fuck up. We're all going to say things that might activate our partner or, you know, piss off a colleague or this or that. It's how do you repair? How do you say like, oh, wow. Yeah. I now realize how that might've made you feel, or I now realize how that impacted the situation. What can I do to ensure that's not going to happen again? What do you need to hear from me? Did you feel heard? Did you feel like I understood what your complaints were? There's just so many mature ways that we can address that, that like, build huge amounts of intimacy when we can show up in reliable, solid ways like that. But a lot of that is personal accountability. It's your own comfort level with sitting in who you are, being okay, making mistakes, being okay, having discussions with other people instead of arguments and defensiveness, you know? We don't have discussions anymore in our society. It feels like it's like one person states something, the other person, then they're attacked in some way for not thinking or feeling the exact same way. And then you just, you don't get any trust or intimacy at all like we've seemed to have lost that especially in the last few years right and, and when we if you go back and listen to that uh resentments episode that we talked about remember about the laundry and the person not yep. speaking for giving their needs those are perfect examples of that right like this is why because most conversations or scenarios become this like tit for tat this back and forth this like balancing of the scales the keeping track of everything and people forget that they're actually like on a team and they start behaving like they're on opposing teams, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you get stuck in that dynamic, you have to ask yourself, like, why do I feel like I'm at odds with this person? What is it that makes me feel like they are not on my team? I am not on their team, whatever that be, right? And again, trust, safety in that relationship around expression of needs, being seen for those things, all of those simple little things, right? Where am I harboring resentments? What needs to be discussed in order to release this resentment? Where did I self-abandon? Where did I, you know, not enforce a boundary because I was afraid of how that would impact the connection? All those things impact then um, our intimacy levels. But again, intimacy the depth we have with ourselves can then be reflected in the depth with others. So if we don't have much depth with ourselves, then we are not cultivating a ton of intimacy with other people. And I really hope people listen to that right now, because there is a huge amount of people in Western culture right now that have given so much of themselves to others for productivity and, you know, being linked to worth and things like that, that they have literally become so disconnected from themselves that if you ask them what their favorite food was or their favorite this or their favorite that, they may know the answer, they may not. But when was the last time they actually gave it to themselves is another thing too, right? When was the last time they actually truly spoke up about what they needed? Well, no, I stopped because nobody listened anyways. Oh, it's just like talking to a wall or there's no time for that. Things like that, right? That's huge. And I think, I know even with myself, even though I've done a lot of work, I'm, there's still parts of me where I just know I haven't haven't mined that out yet right and i know it's been because that's one thing i've always had in my life is just a and i think it's because even though i found out later i was adopted so you've lost you didn't have that initial first relationship with the most important person that you would have one with as a child mm -hmm. um you know and spent so many days i think it was like 11 days just in in a, in a baby ward before being taken home to my new home like it's just all this stuff so it created subconsciously just these barriers and walls of i think resentment and just even 
growing up in a family that wasn't your biological family and not knowing it yeah. for so long creates that too. Right. And that's, you know, trying to find it out. And, you know, now I've met my biological family, but that's a process and it takes time, you know, and maybe you don't always like what you find out anyways, you know, kind of thing. So there's still parts of me I know that I need to work on in order to fully feel engaged with the people around me, but it's coming slowly, but it's interesting watching this process of the walls kind of slowly coming down. And then some of the walls you don't feel comfortable taking down Yeah, at least yet. You know what I mean? Like it's interesting. Yeah. And that's such an important one. That one comes up in therapy all the time. I'm like, I am not here to crush this house of cards. We are actually going to protect the shit out of it and strategically dismantle it and rebuild it into a much stronger foundation. Um, But we have to do that slowly. And as we're ready and as we're resourced for it, right. One of the biggest blocks to intimacy is actually our ability to receive. So many of us are unable to receive. This was one of my biggest blocks, you know, being a martyr, being a people pleaser, being a fixer. Um, I would put my needs on the back burner. I had a really hard time receiving. And then that ability was also damaged by harmful, um, less trustworthy sources that were giving, right? So suddenly you open, you're open to receive and that was not safe right? And it was not consistent. And it reinforced maybe all of the negative things of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not significant. I'm not worthy of the time or this or that, right? So there's different reasons why our ability to receive can be quite blocked. But that's one of the biggest things I work on with people in this work is like, how willing are you to receive love and care and affection and attention and assistance from others? Are you the person that someone's like, yeah, give me a call if you need a hand. And then you never do, or you silently, you know, do it all on your own huffing. Like I'm the only person I can rely on. Like hyper independence is a trauma response that many of us in Western culture have gotten very used to this very individualistic culture um, that we have, you know, we don't collectively, village-wise take care of our kids anymore the same way we have fences around our yards we have separation we have all of these things right um and that becomes really unhealthy in terms of like how open we can be to receiving we become hyper independent right so i really encourage people um you know one of the biggest um forms of self-love is allowing yourself to receive right one of the biggest blocks where do you deny yourself love do you deny person people giving you a hand do you deny somebody wanting to gift you something do you deny somebody saying oh hey yeah i can do that for you you're like no no it, it's fine or where do you deny yourself that right and it's pretty powerful when we start to see where we literally put a hand up to all of these things that we're truly longing for. Like we just long for connection. We long to be seen. We long to be validated and fuck. We get in the way of that sometimes. And I think we've um, created a band-aid solution in terms of social media as oh. a way for that to validate. Oh yeah. I got a hundred likes on something, which is meaningless bullshit in the end. It doesn't mean Jack, but we take that as a sign that we've been heard and validated. And it's not, it's, it's not at all. Half the people you don't even probably know. Yes, but that will appetize it enough that you won't actually need to go talk to your partner about what you just vented on social media. Exactly. So it'll, it'll kind of like rub your back enough and coax you down a little bit, but it's, it's not enough to go to the actual source. Like my, I detest the passive aggressive Facebook posts of like, well, you know who your true friends are. (laughs) Go to the fucking 
source and tell them they let you down. And I promise you will be 10 times more satisfied. And that friendship is either going to go, which it should do if it needs to, or you are going to build that friendship so strongly because now you are heard that person's accountable. They're also given a second chance to show up better. And now you guys bridge in a stronger capacity. And every time we're willing to have those hard conversations with people, especially in new relationship with other people, like we are so afraid to do that, but it is like the most beautiful thing when it either shuts that down and now you are no longer investing in something that wasn't right for you. Yes, you're going to have to grieve it and say goodbye to it, but that's for your better. Or it is going to catapult you into like a deeper state of trust and intimacy and appreciation and truth for both of you. If somebody decides to like take a step in with you and to lean in when you bring up that hard conversation or bring up that hard question, or you bring up the, the story I'm making up in my head is, and usually it's based around our own insecurities that we're trying to figure out. And we just need the other person to either validate it or dispute it or whatever. And then that other person can step in. If they project and push you back and blame you, then that is not a safe relationship to be in. That's not a safe connection. No, not at all. And and I and I think we've lost that. Oh, I stayed in it for 13 years, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. And we do, and <laughs> we put up with these things when we shouldn't have to. I had a friendship of 20 years that ended recently for very much that same stuff. And it was just, we, it's kind of one of those things too. You, you saw it coming for quite a few years, but you just didn't put the brakes on it. Just, you know what I mean? And then it just like, finally, there's this one bit where I didn't do something. And then it was thrown back in my face and it was like attacked and not attacked, like talking, but attacked on social media, Oh, <laughs> which then it became very easy just to go like block and yeah. then just not respond to any personal messages because it's like, whatever I say, isn't going to fucking matter anyways. Yeah. And you know, it's important to like, as people are listening to this and reflecting on the different scenarios in their life, it's important to recognize that we've often been on both sides of the coin, right? So I've been on both sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. I've been the unhealthy friends that lost friendships. And I've also been on the other end that tolerated a lot of unhealthy stuff. Right. And it's Same just here. the self-awareness of that. And like, you know, how do we prevent that from happening in connections moving forward? And it is putting yourself first, understanding what your needs are and fiercely protecting that and using that as your guidance um, and recognizing that like the right people are going to be in front of you when you're leading that way. It is not your job to convince others to like you, to convince others to love you in these ways. You be you and the people who will love you will be there. Exactly. And that is, if we're going to stop on a note, that's the perfect note to stop on. And that's the one that Hollywood mm -hmm. and the Harlequin romances of the world don't emphasize. You need someone else to complete you. You don't, if you are complete with yourself, everyone else will just kind of come into place. Those who should be coming into place will. Yeah. Dash 30 dash as we used to do in journalism when we finished the story. <laughs> So we hope that brought you guys a little closer to us, a little closer to yourselves and a lot closer to the others in your life that are meant to be there. So spend some time reflecting. Thank you for listening. And we will continue to build this beautiful space for everybody here. Exactly. So until next week, when we talk about a whole new topic that'll help you achieve your inner and outer greatness. I'm Jason. I'm Jolene. Be well.